The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, it's that time again, Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on The Shepherd. So privileged to be on the line right now with Craig Smith. He's a contemporary, he was a contemporary Christian music artist back in the day. We'll find a, a little bit about that and was, uh, you may well have heard him. He's had uh, songs on the radio and traveled all over this great country. And of late, though, God called him into a different direction. He became a pastor. He's a pastor in Arkansas, Fort Smith, to be exact. And he's the author of an amazing book that I'm holding in my hand called Awake in the Dawn, Living the Lord's Prayer. I would love to welcome Craig Smith to my program. Thanks for coming, man. Mike, thanks for having me. It's a great honor, truly. Well, you know, just in the little bit that we've been chatting here before beginning this program, I can tell that uh, you are a guy of a different spirit as uh, what I read about in the Bible of Caleb of old. That man was just a man who God had uh, put a mark on him. And it's clear that the mark of God is on you because you live and breathe living for Jesus. You live and breathe telling others and really pointing others uh, to this devotional life that God's opened up for you. And that's really the motivation behind the book, right? It is. Thank you for the encouragement. <clears throat> I do the best I can. I, I always try to not do I'm just a courier. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other day about uh, some of the things that have been going on recently. And I said, as long as I can just remember that I'm not the originator of the message, I'm the just the delivery boy. Mm -hmm, right. I, I, but uh, yes, and that's what I'm trying to continue to do at this point. And Awaken the Dawn was uh, solely something that came out of my time, my quiet time early in the morning. I, I was a musician at a very young age, became a Christian continued that after uh, some college years. And uh, it was the only way that I really knew to communicate this internal thing that was going on in my heart. So uh, I, I just shared what I could share, which wasn't much and not of much depth, but musicians are kind of known for getting up uh, not quite so early in the morning. That's so, right. <laughs> so I, I had to work a long time, but my mentors then, the guys who were discipling me just said, man, you know, if you can discipline yourself to just hang out with Jesus, uh, give him the best of your day. And I worked quite a while and I just started getting up in the mornings and loving it to where I just couldn't hardly wait to get up very early. And it's, that doesn't, that's not a sign of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Mike. It's just, uh, yeah. it's just something I love and I look forward to and can hardly wait until four or four thirty rolls around in the morning. And so the awake of the dawn was really birthed from, other guys, friends of mine and guys that I might be trying to pass on this uh, great adventure of serving Jesus with. And so they would just say, could you help us? I mean, wake us up in the morning, give us something. And so I... Uh, Is this something you do the, every morning, every morning at that time? I don't miss hardly any, but but again, wow, that's, that's don't, amazing. don't take that and run with it. It's not, a, not everybody can do it, and it's not a sign of deep spirituality. It's just I love it. Uh, wow. It's, uh, so I, w I would just, I used the Lord's Prayer 
Matthew 6, 9, where I just thought, man, if if Craig and Mike had been disciples at one point in time, uh, when Jesus was on the earth mm-hmm. and we were observing the effectiveness of his ministry, and we came to him and said, wow, you know, we see the effect and we notice one of the things you, you do so frequently and consistently is you spend time praying. Teach us to pray. I really felt like God's going to give – Jesus is going to give Craig and Mike his A game. We're not going to get some secondary right. or – so I looked at that and started seeing the – and of course it's God. I was about to say something very not so intelligent, but I was going to say he's such a genius. Of course he is. He's <laughs> yeah. He, but, yeah, he's got that high IQ thing going there. Right? <laughs> yeah, it does. I don't know where that came from, but anyway – so I looked at this and just went, this prayer is amazing, and it's it's the prayer that he has given us as an outline. And not only that, I can you can also use it as a a daily thing, you know, just seeking the Father first, his kingdom, his will, provision to fulfill his will, and on down the line of the prayer. So I use that as my rails or rhythm with these guys that asked me to wake them up. And I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call or text in the morning that would probably make us enemies instead of friends so i'll just email you something and you can read it whenever you get up mm-hmm. that is how awaken the dawn was essentially birthed just taking things from my own quiet time journaling them jotting some things down for the for a few guys and it they sent it on to other guys and it just began to grow uh and it's become really a, a passion in my heart to just go Everyone in the body of Christ, we're all just – it is Christianity. I've been heard it preached and referred to as it's a team sport. It's like we gain the most ground. We're the most effective when we utilize each other's gifting that God has given us. And one thing we're all called to as followers of Jesus is to be praying. Mm-hmm. So that's what Awaken the Dawn is all about. It's just a, it is my simple offering to go, wow, let's let's spend more time in the presence of the Lord and kind of see what the result is. You know, I love the uh, verse you have printed on the back of the book. It says, morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Isaiah 54. And that really is the theme for what you're talking about. It's one thing for us to try to get up. It's another thing when he begins by his spirit to move in our hearts in such a way as he has done with you, where you are, you have this joy. I heard years ago, there was this thing of discipline turning into delight when it comes to prayer. <laughs> and that's exactly what's happened with you in the beginning. It might've been more out of discipline, but then it became for you a delight. Well said. It was. It was not fun at all at in the beginning. And in the beginning, getting up early might have been 8.30 or 9.30. Uh, and so just, but just that, what took place, the transition, the transformation that took place during that quiet time, I started wow. realizing the earlier I get up, there's going to be even less activity because a lot of people are still sleeping. So it, it's I, I'm I'm totally serious when I say it's my favorite part of the day. I just love hanging out with the Lord. So to uh, do that now, what time do you retire at night? Oh, this is the sad part. Now, this is the part where all the listeners are going to just go, how does he still do music and stay up late? But honestly, um, I probably find myself things shutting down my brain starts telling the rest of my body we're going to bed whether you guys do or not 
so I probably eight thirty to nine thirty. Ten okay. o'clock is like late for me. Okay, that that makes me feel a little bit better. And, and so that when you get up at four or whatever, maybe even earlier, uh, you you know the body will only do that for so long. So that's good. You're disciplining yourself, not one that's trying to to do all that you're doing and stay up and burn the midnight oil too. That's that's not going to work for long. So that's really good. I, I, you sound like a very disciplined guy. Let's turn for a moment, look backwards. I mentioned that you traveled all over. You were in Gainesville. You said you did a lot of concerts at, at uh, the Gators, at uh, the home of the Gators at, U, at UF, right? Yeah, that was in the very the early years of ministry when I, after coming to know Christ, uh, two or three years after that, when I began to just be invited to kind of tell my story in different places and that expanded i loved universities that's um it's they're challenging but they're the future many of our the populations on the universities are going to be the guys running our countries in the future so Mm -hmm. i I love those challenges and i and i love just uh some of the not the debates so much but just the honesty of conversation that can can be there uh, dialogue wise and even there in orlando i think uh i was not there it's been so long ago, but there were some radio stations that uh, sponsored a couple of concerts, but that's that's been so very long ago. Now, but, would that uh, have been WAJL radio? Oh, that was in the days when I was doing a couple of hundred concerts yeah, right. a year, so yeah. I don't remember. I used start. to work for that station back in the 80s when I first made the move to Orlando, and wow. uh, it was the first Christian uh, contemporary Christian station in Orlando back then owned by a guy by the name of Al Chubb. So I thought you might have, uh... Ooh, I know. Yes. That name definitely is familiar. Okay. That's probably, that's probably where you were. So it, it's, uh, odd. Now would this have been in the seventies or late seventies? It would have been the late 70s to mid 80s, probably. Uh, You and I may well have met my friend because I was there in 85. That's just crazy. But, um, my goodness, I used to, um, Love the fact that we got to be with so many people. I know uh, I interviewed back in the day Rick Eldridge, and I was a part of the Orlando Jesus Festivals back in the day. Got got to emcee some things and played in a worship band at one of them, and it was just so much fun. Those are those are wonderful days, and may they may we see them unfold in a in a great way. You know, I, I that's a great prayer. Uh, what God did through the Jesus movement, w- of which obviously you were impacted and became part of with your music, traveling around. And your music, by the way, is wonderful. You're a great singer, great musician. I've listened to your stuff. Dove Award nominated. Uh, it's. I'm praying that what happened in that generation will happen again, where God puts out a like a holy revival for our young people today that would be amazing so neat i it it is i i have been reading a lot uh, i love to read history and i've been reading a lot of, about the great awakening uh from actually i'm reading a history book now that's a hundred years old mm-hmm. and they're writing about a period that took place a hundred year years earlier you're right with jonathan edwards <clears throat> and all Yep, yep. And and the thing that's been very intriguing and interesting to me, Mike, is that there are so many characteristic parallels that were taking place then among the young people and and philosophically the train of thoughts. I mean, that might be different. We may have branded them differently today, 
but uh, the a lot of the conflict in the larger cities, the uh, great concern, has the church lost her effectiveness? Uh, there were people that were quite concerned that the nation was not going to continue much longer because of uh, what was going on. I, I read this, which was a uh, this should spur on uh, conversation with many people, but. I read a sentence from the book that said you could not in the early years, and we're talking about the 1700s, you couldn't hold a political office of any, whether it's the mayor or the president, you had to be a member of a church someplace. Isn't that that something? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I just love that. But I think, though we have far more, far larger population, I think in the 1700s, mid Great Awakening, there was probably seven to eight million people total, and we far exceed that now, but... But the thing about it is amazing. It's like we, it's the same God, the same God that brought the Great Awakening back mm-hmm. can do the mm-hmm. same thing now. If we as the church will just kind of get back to more basic and that serious place where we're just falling in love genuinely with Christ and his mission and mandates. Well, you know, uh, you're doing all that you can do to help bring that on. I'm I'm looking at your book and uh, it is no, you know, you didn't like so many authors, the first book uh, that they put out, I don't, you may well have written another book. I shouldn't say that, but this book that I'm holding, it's uh, it's meaty. It's, it's a, a, a devotional for every day of the year, a 365 day devotional, again, fashioned after the Lord's prayer as it's guiding and it's composed every chapter, every day, you'll have a title and then there's a scripture verse and then a thought and then a prayer that, and I have found the prayers in this book that you've written out are so meaningful. And these were just things that God has put on your heart. It's, it's so amazing to me. I love it. I really am enjoying the book. Well, thank you. You're very kind. First of all, thank you for the encouragement. And I mean that sincerely, Mike. But um, it's, I don't think there's any of us. Um, I am not, I don't think I am something special in the realm of God loves to pour out who he is and how much he loves and what he desires to do in every single one of us. If we'll just put the brakes on our extreme activities uh, and the information overload that most of our nation is in right now, including the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just, he's the same guy that he's always been. He's just, there's only one. And he he is this God who is uh, beyond our dimensions, beyond our abilities to comprehend. And at the same time, this, loving father and Christ the son who wants to be in uh, this daily relationship with us and growing to be like Christ. So I think while I'm, I am, and I thank you for the encouragement and I, I love those times that are deep. Um, The kingdom of God is like diving into a body of water that has no bottom to it. It's just, you just go deep and deep and deep as you want to go. And at the same time, the Lord has this ability to want to father each one of us uh, as though we are little kids that don't know much. And, and the truth is, comparatively, we, do, we don't. I'm learning. The, the <laughs> longer I'm sure. a believer, the more I'm learning what I do not understand about him. But I yeah. trust him more than I ever have. Well, I can tell you do, and it, it is really a blessing to, ha- you know, to have you're a humble guy, and I, I, I've got to have you back on 
at some point when uh, you can do the deep dive into how you were called. And it, that sounds like such a fantastic story of how you ended up transitioning from being a musician to being a pastor and a pastor of a church in Arkansas. Uh, I mean, you, you were part of the Nashville scene. You departed that. And uh, so, man, I've got to have you back on for all of that. It's just too great. Well, thank thank you. And I'd love to love to come back. Well, now tell me a little bit before we go here. Tell me a little bit about how people, first of all, can get a hold of this book called Awake in the Dawn, Living the Lord's Prayer. Craig Smith is the author. How can people get a copy of this? Well, like, like uh, probably the easiest path is to go to Amazon and uh, just put in Awake in the Dawn, uh, Craig Smith, or they can, uh, I was just in a Barnes and Noble yesterday, so they can get into pretty much all bookstores or order oh. through any avenues to get books. Um, and uh, then one other thing I would love for everyone to know, Mike, is that uh, all of the proceeds from the book that would typically be directed to the author and as well as the music that accompanies it, 100% of that uh, we place toward mission to children at risk. Mm. Wow. And you have this organization called Village to Village. The two is a number two. Village to Village, a nonprofit, reaching these kids in four countries. That is such a great thing, man. You're making a difference, Craig. Well, I'm having a lot of fun for a guy who's been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really I just feel like I've, I, I know we've just met, but... You are a man who has a heart after God. And I got to say, everyone who's listening today is going to feel like, man, I've known this guy forever. Let me, let's know more about him. <laughs> so the, you're doing a great job. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for serving the church there in Arkansas. Thank you for this book. I, I'm enjoying it so much. I even like the feel of the cover. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a comforting thing to hold in the hand. It's really great. I'm, I'm a real book guy and, uh, meaning I, I, I like real books over yes. reading electronic copies. That's great. Not the same as holding this book. And it is wonderful. You. Yeah. Thank you. Craig, Thank you, Mike. You're gracious. Well, Craig Smith, I've enjoyed having you on the program today. And again, we'll have to do this again. Thank you, Mike, so much for the opportunity. All right. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. We are back on the line now with segment two, and my guest for this segment, Nate Robertson. He is a candidate for the state representative, the Florida House District 40, 
for the House of Representatives. It is so great, Nate, to have you on the line. Met you at the town hall. Welcome to my program. Thank you so much for having me today. It's really a great pleasure and great honor to be with you. Well, you know, I get to talk to these uh, people like yourself, these candidates, and we had a bunch of them there that night at the town hall that was sponsored by the uh, Christian Chamber. I think it was nine of you sitting in that semicircle, and it gave all the people there and and kind of an idea about uh, who you were, what you're about, what you believe and all of that. And it was so helpful. And I know those that attended really benefited from that time. So I know you're busy during this season. You've passed through the primary and now you're on the way to November. How's it looking from your standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that event was such a great event and it was so great to have all of us there and all of us to be able to talk so much about how important focusing on our families again is and focusing on keeping faith as a, a high priority. Um, from my perspective right now, as we are now what about 30, about 30 days away from the yeah, election, one month away. Yeah. Is that um, it is looking very good and very strong from my perspective. We are really connecting with voters who are concerned about their families and what the future looks like for their families. They're concerned about having you know, the money that they need in their pocket and the government not taking more of it away from them. You know, so from my perspective, as I've connected with voters throughout this district, really from Ocoee all the way to College Park, is that voters are concerned about what the future looks like and how we are making the future stronger and better and not continuing the same old, same old. That's a lot of what I hear from people is that they're concerned about that things don't seem like they've been going in a positive direction in certain ways, and they're ready for a change. Mm -hmm. And your district, you mentioned those cities. Can you kind of give us the roundup as to what uh, areas of Florida District 40 covers? Absolutely. So District 40 is situated all within Orange County, and it stretches from Ocoee at 429 all the way to the east um, to College Park at I-4. It pretty much uses West Colonial as the southern border. So Highway 50, West Colonial, Mm -hmm. from 429 to I-4 as the southern border. It uses parts of 414 as the northern border, staying within Orange County, and then a little bit of a jig-jag down to just below South Apopka um, with a border there, like where McCormick Road is, and then going over to 429 at West Road. So you have a a lot of the western part of, of Orlando covered in right. that uh, that district and i know that some parts uh, of that uh, were really hit pretty hard with power outages uh, are you seeing things return from what you're hearing in that area are you seeing things return to normal definitely there was a large amount of power outages including my own home um, thankfully we were without power for just about 10 hours which was much less than a lot of other people mm. but definitely we are seeing this area recover. We're seeing the power is being, it has been restored. We're seeing a lot of the tree cleanup happening. Most of the damage that I was seeing um, throughout Ocoee through Pine Hills was really tree damage. And then as you got further over kind of into the Rosemont area, um, lower Pine Hills and into College Park is where you saw some more of the flooding. But it does seem like um, it is recovering. You know, the thing that's interesting about it is You know, there's something that's really been coming to mind here since the hurricane came through about the wetlands and about how 
us protecting the wetlands really would have been instrumental in helping to protect some of the flooding that happened down at Country Club and down into Orla Vista. And that's something that I think we really need to take a look at. And I'd love to be a part of taking a look of that look at that with the legislature in the next session. Well, that is something that I know it's important if you live near those uh, right now. It's a lot. Now, we've we've gotten a bit of advice from the president of the United States when it comes to hurricanes. I don't know if you saw this clip that's uh, circulating or not, but he made the statement that what uh, what we really need to do to be prepared in these uh, hurricanes is to be vaccinated. I don't know if you heard that or not. I, I did, Mike. I, I did hear that. And I, I'm sorry. I have to just kind of sit here and shake my head. You know, know, regardless of what people think about vaccines, yes or no, the idea that a shot is the necessary element to be, per, to be you know, ready for a hurricane really borderlines on some really interesting thought pattern it really does yeah I, I say that so facetiously and i'm not trying to be mean i know i could be accused of that for even bringing that up but the other side of that is we need to realize that we're talking about uh fighting against forces and and, and this is what you're doing directly by being uh, a candidate for a political office you're fighting against some forces here that are really leaning the other direction so far that it's implausible. It doesn't even make sense. And that comment is one of those uh, types of things. It's just an example of uh, ludicrousy in my mind, uh, trying to make it seem like this is normal and right way of thinking, but it's not even relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what is so concerning and should be disturbing to your listeners and really to everyone in the in the central florida area and throughout the country is this idea that greater levels of government control government telling people what to do these greater ideas of the government being in charge that somehow it solves our individual problems our family problems that somehow it creates wealth for people and that's for some some in some way that it creates more business development when it couldn't be further from the truth this idea of increased government you know, direction and government telling you what to do is not helping people to thrive. It's actually doing the exact opposite. It's stifling people's desire to thrive and their ability to do that. Mm, I agree completely. And it, it's just uh, a sad to see it all happen in our country. I, I really think most people, most of our listeners, would fall into this category of shock and wonderment at that uh, that all of this is happening and asking the question how in the world did it get to be like this yeah absolutely i think you're exactly right and i think unfortunately when we ask that question of how did it get to be like this we have to begin to peel back the layers of how have we been involved in making sure that our communities are strong you know the reality is that all politics really is local and we have got to do a better job and this is an ideal moment. This is an opportunity for maybe a historic moment in West Orange County and throughout Florida and throughout our nation to focus again at the local level and say, no, you, the, the federal government, do not know better for my local community. You are not going to tell our local community what's best for us. We are going to stand up. We're going to work together and we are going to move forward to make our community stronger. We make communities stronger 
by making families stronger. And we make families stronger by having strong, well-connected faith communities. And that is how we transform our nation and our cities. And it's how we begin to pull back on this crazy line of thinking that we hear so much of the government taking over and being in charge and people losing their individuality. I agree. You know, when you think about it, Nate, the, the whole term that we've heard and, and we hear and still is used about our country, uh, America, but it's it's more known as the United States, the U.S. of A, the United States. And yet right, what we're seeing right now is a time where there are more states divided than ever in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to see this idea of states coming back um, to work on issues that make their states stronger and those states working together to make our united country better. You know, that is the idea. That is the way it was. That was why it was designed the way it was. You know, it's so critical that people be reminded again about the basic civics of the way that the U.S. of A was created. Right. Mm -hmm, right. So that we have this understanding of the federal government has its specific responsibilities. It should be doing its specific duties and it should really be small and it should allow the states to deal with the issues that more belong to the states in a true federalist setup. And we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to really focusing on that. And I think that we need to take a moment and thank our great governor, Ron DeSantis, for working so hard at Absolutely. that. Absolutely. In making sure that we are standing up strong and saying, no, this is a Florida issue. We can solve it better than you can from D.C. I agree. And God bless Governor DeSantis for all he's doing. I know uh, it's no accident that uh, our state is called the free state of Florida. That's and right. uh, it is greatly that way because of Governor DeSantis and his leadership all the way down. Thankful for it. Nate, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that on your bio, on your website, you list down a real important factor in your upbringing was the, your parents and your grandparents and the faith that they kind of raised you up in, and it's now your own. Tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. Yeah, Mike, I grew up in Western New York, just outside of Buffalo. I have two younger brothers. Um, my dad has been a, a Southern Baptist minister and denominational leader for over 50 years. Um, my parents moved to New York in 1980 before I was born to start a church. Um, they are originally from Alabama and Georgia. My grandfathers both were um, members of the U.S. Army at different times. My my mom's dad was a paratrooper in the 101st Airborne um, Division of the U.S. Army. In in World War II, he jumped on the beaches of Normandy and was a part of every battle oh, offensive from that moment until the end of the war. Some really remarkable stories that he had, though he didn't talk about them much, and um, he has been with the Lord for many years now. But, you know, the the background that I have with my grandparents, uh, my grandfather's being strong military men, my grandmother's being strong women um, that worked outside the home and also were homemakers and that developed a strong faith in both of my parents. My parents now have been married for about 45 years and raised the three um, the three of us boys. And, you know, all of that really contributes to the belief that I have that we must make sure that we have strong families that have 
you know, a, a focus on faith and that that focus on this idea that we cannot do alone what we can do with with God, what we can do when we really put our faith and trust in Jesus and we allow him to guide us and lead us into every aspect of our life. My wife, Kristen, and I have been married for almost 15 years. We live here in Ocoee with our two boys that are 13 and two. Yes, it's a really big age gap, but we're really grateful to have them and very grateful to be able to raise them in a great state and really with a great understanding of how powerful our faith is and how important it is for us to live out our faith. You know, I have to mention that the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that sometimes we have allowed government and politics to be left out of this idea of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should be a part of continuing to establish the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in every aspect of our communities. And that doesn't stop at our churches. It doesn't stop in our businesses. It doesn't stop in our neighborhoods or even in our schools. It has to reach all the way to government. And so all of that is a big reason as to why I am here today running for this seat for District 40. Now, this is your first uh, entry into the this kind of field, right? It is, yes. This is the first time I've run for office. I will say I was um, student body vice president at Union University. There in you 2003. go. All right. So I did have one other campaign many years ago. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's awesome. I was a uh, a senator when I was in uh, college, and that's my yeah. that's my only uh, time of, uh, right. of of public office. But my goodness, I so appreciate what you're doing, Nate, and the reasoning and the kind of the lens that you look through, and that uh, really contributed to why you're running in this race and for the job that you're wanting to do for our great state is really fueled by your convictions and your faith. And that, I just think that's an important message. And that's why I was so excited to have you come on and uh, share this with us. And I, I think it's awesome that you're a PK. That was, that's awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, it is really important and it's really important that all of us, you know, kind of connect to our background and that we use our background to propel us into the future and that we use it to build strong communities. Before we take a break, I've got time for just one more question for you. On that, you you list down the three things that are your core beliefs here, and that is faith, family, and freedom. And we've talked a little bit already about your family and you've got a, a couple of kids yourself and your faith. How do you see our freedom being tied into those other two things? Yeah, it's such a great question. It's so important. You know, when you look back at the founding of America and the way that they set up our democratic process, they had a very firm understanding that you could not have this experiment of freedom and democracy in America without having the three prongs of faith, virtue, and liberty. That we could not have liberty or freedom without having faith, and we could not have either of those without having virtue, and that it all connects together. Our freedom is directly tied to the reality that we understand that we are free because God has given us those freedoms. Those freedoms don't come from the government. The, that freedom doesn't come from any kind of organizational setup or any somebody trying to tell us that we have these freedoms. Our freedoms truly come from our creator. 
And when we connect it all together and allow freedom to be really um, demonstrated in our families and through our faith and the understanding that freedom is not without restraint, that there is still an individual responsibility and a restraint that is required for true freedom, we see how well it all connects together. I really love the way you've put all of that together. And I, it is intric- intricately involved one with another. These points, faith, family, and freedom, uh, we need them all three. And yet all three of them are under attack in our culture. My guest for this uh, segment and the next, he's going to be back with me for segment number three, is Nate Robertson, who is running for the state representative in Florida, District 40. We'll be back with him in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. On the line today and uh, spent the last segment with Nate Robertson, who's running for State Representative District 40, which handles the whole area of uh, College Park, all the way out to the west, up to 429 area in Okoe, and then up to just south of Apopka. The Colonial Drive would be like the border on the south. And that's your area. I was just mentioning to Nate during the, uh, the break that our transmitter is right in the middle of his district. So uh, we're right there, man. We're beaming out, and uh, you've got a message that you're beaming out, and it's an important one. And we've already talked about your three core beliefs of faith, family, and freedom. Uh, when it comes down to the stuff that that Tallahassee is handling, what are you seeing as job one right now should you get elected in November? Absolutely. Again, thanks so much for having me. Um, what I believe is job number one, for this community when I um, get to Tallahassee, if I'm so honored, is that we must focus on continuing to make sure that there is strong educational choice for District 40. We have great funding available through the state. We have great um, funding through the Step Up for Students program for parents to have the educational choice that they want to have for their students to make sure that they are making the best decision for their students. But one of the things that I am concerned about is specifically in the Pine Hills area of my district, is that we have new schools being opened that can continue to serve the community where people are able to make a choice for the best educational option for their family and that it would be conveniently located for their transportation needs. When I talk to people, especially in Pine Hills, about the Step Up for Students program and the ability for their educational choice to be you know, to be made by them, the parents, first of all, a lot of times they're not even aware of it. So we need to continue with the education of the, the funding option is available for them. 
But then the second thing that I asked them is, do you have reliable transportation to get your child to the school of your choice? And a lot of times the answer to that is no. So I believe that we need to, with me in this seat for District 40, we need to focus on new charter and private schools being opened in the Pine Hills area of this district. The funding is already there to help the students be able to attend the schools, but we need to make sure there is greater allocation of funding to get those schools started, property being procured, schools being built, getting the resources needed to get those schools off the ground to make sure that every parent feels empowered to make the best choice for them and their student. The public school is great for many, many families, but there are families that do not feel like that is an adequate option. And for those families, they deserve the opportunity to choose the school of their choice and know that they're getting a high quality education in their local community. Mm. So I believe that that's really job number one for me. That's really great and well said. You know, when we first moved to Florida, uh, education would have not been considered uh, a high point by many people who looked at our our records, the uh, standardized test scores, things like that. And Florida has improved greatly in the last 30 some odd years since we moved here in the 80s. And again, under great leadership that we have right now, it's continuing to improve. But when you look at the neighboring states around Florida, it's not always that way, right? That's right. And we need to continue to focus on that. And we focus on that by continuing to work from the legislature to increase teacher salaries, which the legislator, legislature has been doing. They've put over $500 million into increasing teacher salaries over the last few years. And there's more that the legislature wants to do. I want to be a part of that as well, because we need to continue to make sure that we are making a strong statement, that we are going to have strong education throughout the state of Florida, and that we're going to make sure that parents are in charge of those educational options. It's really vitally important that we make sure that parents are in the driver's seat and that the government is not trying to look over the shoulders of parents and tell them what decision they are or are not going to make when it comes to their students' education. Well, on that, I think it's important that we continue to realize that parents have the primary responsibility for their kids who are students. But again, many people in, in not only the government, but in education are, are making statements to the otherwise that the kids are really uh, should only be able to do what we tell them or, or or they should do what they want to do apart from parental rights. And that's got to be something that we address in the next couple of years or this thing's going to get out of hand, right? Absolutely. We have to continue to address that. You know, thankfully, we already have some great parental rights um, legislation that's in play in Florida that's already into the law. But we need to continue to make sure that we are empowering parents to be the chief educator. This is such an important point, and it's such a vital point that many people have tried to either miss altogether or twist. Parents must be empowered to be the number one chief educator of their child that they are. My children are not the property of the school. They're not the property of the school system. They're not the property of the county, the city. The government, they're not the property of any teacher. My sons belong to me and my wife, and we should be number one educator in their life. And we must continue to work on that. I don't want my son 
or anybody else's son or daughter being asked troubling questions at school that should be questions that are talked about at home away from this idea that the school system deserves answers Mm -hmm. to questions, whether it be regarding sexuality, whether it be regarding religion, whether it be regarding these, these ideas that are outside of what education is supposed to do. Education is supposed to be about reading and writing and math and science and empowering them to have an imagination and how are we going to continue to develop them when it comes to the arts and so many things like that. But we have got to be very firm and very clear and continue to stand firm on the idea, the reality that has lasted throughout the ages that parents are the number one educator for their children. And the uh, number one line of responsibility as well. That's and, right. And, and, you know, that's important, even if they choose to put their kid in a Christian school or if they are in public school, I'm, I'm definitely convinced that you need to be much more vigilant than you think if you're going to have your children in today's public schools. And we've seen what's gone on in Leon County with uh, the Little John case that's uh, coming from there where uh, a young lady confided some some uh, uh, confusion that was going on in her mind about gender and the school system took off and ran with that thing. And that's in our own state. That's in Tallahassee where that happened. And uh, now the, the parents are fighting uh, and it, it's a battle and it's going on. It's It's legal. It's in the... Uh, hands right now of attorneys and the courts. Uh, so we've got to see a, a, a strong, I, I believe, a strong statement being made about this very issue of belief that parents are parents. They are the ones who should have the authority and the the decision-making uh, ability over their child. Absolutely. And I think one thing that needs to really be highlighted in this is remembering that if a child ever has or a student ever has questions or brings up topics that the teacher is really not the right person to be unpacking those ideas or those questions with, the the appropriate thing for the teachers to do is to make sure that they are referring that to the guidance counselor of the school and that the guidance counselor is working with the parents to make sure that the that the child and the parents have a clear communication and have an ability and a safe place to discuss and to unpack these challenging things that may be happening. Mm. Our culture has begun to tell people all kinds of things that can be troubling for our younger students most particularly. And it should not be a controversial topic. It should not be. It should not be a controversial topic that parents should be informed if their elementary school child is having, you know, some conversations or is bringing up ideas that are confusing. And it should go much further than that, that students should always be um, any issues that are coming up with students should always be discussed back with the parents. But that the idea that even educators would be talking about anything regarding, you know, sexuality with students, especially elementary school students is absolutely preposterous. And I can think about even my growing up days. If an educator, if a teacher, if anybody at my school had ever brought up or initiated a conversation about sexuality, they would have gone to jail. 
yeah. much less that it wasn't acceptable. Like we've got to really re return ourselves back to some logical thinking about how do we protect children? Every parent out there wants to make sure that their children are protected. Now we may have a little bit of a different idea of what the protection of the children looks like, but every parent wants their child protected and especially protected at school. And we must be firm on this point. You know, that is well said. And you know, all you have to do is go back to those of us that are older. I entered high school in the fall of 1967. And it's not because I'm naive. I probably was a bit naive. <laughs> it's not that reason at all. But you know, the concept of homosexuality, the concept of of uh, this whole issue of same sex and what is now to, called same sex attraction. Uh, that was, that was not even a part of our understanding or vernacular. In fact, the whole concept, uh, none of my friends that I went and I went to a school of 530 people in my class at, at uh, our school in Evansville, Indiana, we, none of us in, in the grade school years had even heard of that, that, that we didn't know of this concept. And, and now you compare that just fast forward to today and, and realize that we're having to stop uh, educators from educating kindergartners, first graders, right. second graders, all about these things that should not be part of their mind, should not be part of their development. That's right. You know, and I think the reality is that there's a lot of development and confusion in elementary school students as it is about all kinds of concepts. Um, you know, and this idea that we would interject or that we would be having conversations in school about sexuality um, at an inappropriate time, inappropriate levels of development is really just something that we cannot tolerate and we must continue to stand firm on that. I agree. Nate, give us uh, your contact information, how people can find out more information about your campaign, which is for district 40 for the state representative position. Nate Robertson is who I'm talking to. Give us the contact information. Absolutely. You can reach my um, campaign through our website at www.votenaterobertson.com. You can reach us by phone at 407-434-1799. And you can reach me by email at nate at votenaterobertson.com. We have all kinds of information on our website, including 12 videos, lots of information about my plans for this district and representing it well in Tallahassee, as well as the ability to become a volunteer and donate. I appreciate that so much and respect you, Nate, for what you're doing, how you're doing it, what you're going about, what you're representative. I just really thank you for carrying those flags of faith, family, and freedom as you are doing, man. And uh, I, I wish you the best in, in your campaign. And uh, we'll have to check back in with you and uh, maybe see how things are going right before the election. God bless Thanks you, so man. Much. Thanks so much. God bless you. Nate Robertson, my guest for these last two segments. And friends, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.